This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. There's something to be warned about. Just as sure as there's a heaven, there's a hell. And just as sure as there's a heaven that people should be guided into, there's a hell that people should be warned about. And when we warn, God wants us to guide at the same time. As he said in Mark 16, 15, Mark 16, 15, this is the, really the gospel command is a command to guide. When he said in Mark 16, 15, he said unto them, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. So as prophets, we guide the lost to Jesus Christ. We guide the lost to Jesus Christ. When, <clears throat> when God spoke to the prophet Paul, we oftentimes call him the apostle Paul, he's a prophet. When God spoke to the prophet Paul, he said about his life and the commission that he gave him in his life in Acts 23, 26, 17. Acts 26, 17. He told Paul that he had delivering thee from the people and from the Gentiles unto whom now I send thee to open their eyes, to turn them from darkness to light, from the power of Satan unto God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith, that is in me. See, he told Paul, he says, Paul, I delivered you for a purpose. I delivered you so that I could send you, and I send you to open the eyes that are closed with sin, to turn the souls that are trapped by darkness into a realm of light, to turn the souls from being under the power of Satan to God, so that all of this to enable lost souls to receive forgiveness and inheritance. To, and all of this, Paul, is found in me, in Jesus Christ. In other words, I'm sending you to turn the lost to Jesus Christ. So that after we've seen, after we've warned, after we've guided, then God wants us, like a prophet, to pray. To pray, he said in 1 Timothy 2, 1, 1 Timothy 2, 1, I exhort therefore that first of all, supplications, prayers, intercessions, 
and giving of thanks be made for all men. All men. He said, all men. That means our lost friends. When they, when something good happens to our lost friends, we have responsibility to give thanks to God for that. When, when we see our lost friends going in the wrong way, we have a responsibility to intercede for them, to talk to God, to pray to God, to beg God, supplications for them. That's why he says, first of all, supplications, prayers, intercessions, giving of thanks, be made for all men. God only knows how much the world really depends on our prayers. We don't know. Just as in the life of there was a man named Abimelech, and, and he, was, he was so dependent on the prayers of Abraham that his life depended on it. His life depended on the prayers of another man, Abraham, when he said, in, it, when, 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 when God came to Abimelech at night and told him that in Genesis 20, verse three, Genesis 20, verse three, God came to Abimelech in a dream by night and said to him, behold, thou art but a dead man for the woman which thou hast taken, for she's a man's wife. But Abimelech had not come near her, this is Sarah, and he said, Lord, will thou slay also a righteous nation? Said he not unto me, she's my sister, and she even herself said, she's my, he is my brother. In the integrity of my heart and innocency of my hands have I done this. And God said unto him in a dream, yea, I know that thou didst this in the integrity of thy heart, for I also withheld thee from sinning against me. Therefore suffered I thee not to touch her. Now therefore, restore the man his wife, for he's a prophet, and he shall pray for thee, and thou shalt live. And if thou restore her not, know thou that thou shalt surely die, thou and all that is thine. God represented Abraham as a prophet. Whoever thought of Abraham as a prophet? That's what God said in verse Seven in Genesis 20, verse seven. Genesis 20, verse seven. He's a prophet and he shall pray for thee. And so Habakkuk now goes on in his prayer and he prays to God in verse two. He says, oh Lord, I've heard thy speech and was afraid. Oh Lord, revive thy work in the midst of the years. In the midst of the years, make known. In wrath, remember mercy. When the, the Hebrew word for speech, for speech, when he says, I have heard thy speech, is the word Shema. It's the word Shema. It's the word Shema. Shema means to hear. Shema can also mean to call. So in other words, Habakkuk is saying, I heard your call. I heard your call. This is what happens to a person when they're saved. They hear the call of God. They stop hearing our calls, and they hear the call of God. And that's what happens to a person when they obey God. They hear the call of God. Like the hymn says, I am thine, O Lord. I have heard thy voice and it told thy love to me, but I long to rise in the arms of faith and be closer drawn to thee. We had a missionary one time, I believe he was to Indonesia and to the natives of Indonesia, and that missionary had a practice that, that in the evenings he would gather those illiterate uh, who couldn't, natives who couldn't read together at night and he would read to them from the Bible. And I remember the missionary wrote us a letter and said that, that the, the natives gave a, a title to the meetings that they would have at night. And they said, the natives gave the title, we're going to the God talk meeting, the God talk meeting, because they understood that when the Bible was read to them, God was talking to them. 
And the only reason that Habakkuk heard God because, because he said, I heard you talk, I heard you call, I heard you shema in verse two. And because of that, that's why he moved on. And why did he hear, how did he hear God talk? How did he hear God's call? He heard it because in the chapter before, in Habakkuk chapter two, verse one, in the first verse of the second chapter, Habakkuk said he would did something. And what he did is he said, I will stand upon my watch and set me upon the tower and will watch to see what he will say unto me. Habakkuk heard God because Habakkuk had set himself to be on a watch to hear God. Habakkuk had set himself like a guard on a tower of a city to hear what God was gonna say to him. And that's the only way that you and I are gonna hear God's talk to us and we're gonna be able to say, verse two, chapter three, verse two, oh Lord, I have heard thy speech, I have heard thy speech. It's because we have first said in our hearts, Verse that chapter two, verse one, chapter two, verse one, I will stand upon my watch and I'll set me upon the tower and I'll watch to see what he will say unto me. In other words, in other words, it's the same thing in what Moses told Israel in Deuteronomy 4.29, Deuteronomy 4.29, seek the Lord thy God, if thou shalt find them. If, thou, if you seek the Lord thy God, thou shalt find him, if thou seek him with all thy heart and with all thy soul. And then the next verses, Habakkuk then speaks of the, the greatness of God. All of this chapter is speaking about the greatness of God. And Habakkuk lands, in particular, he's going through, he's referring to different times in the history of Israel. And he lands on this time when Joshua was fighting, was fighting the battle with the Amorites. In the middle of that battle, Joshua was so excited about how God was giving the victory, and he was realizing that if the sun goes down, and if there's a moon, then the enemy's gonna escape. So Joshua, in his boldness, he sits there and he commands, sun and moon, stand still. And that's what he's referring to in verse 11. Verse 11, the sun and moon stood still in their habitation. At the light of thine arrows they went, and at the shining of thy glittering sword. That was all happened in Joshua 10, verse 12. Joshua 10, verse 12. Then spake Joshua to the Lord in the day when the Lord delivered up the Amorites before the children of Israel. And he said in the sight of Israel, Son, stand thou still upon Gibeon, and thou moon in the valley of Ajalon. And the sun stood still, and the moon stayed, until the people had avenged themselves upon their enemies. Is not this written in the book of Jasher? So the sun stood still in the midst of heaven and hasted not to go down about a whole day. And there was no day like that before it ever or after it that the Lord hearkened unto the voice of a man for the Lord fought for Israel. This was all to prevent the enemy from, from having the benefit of night to escape. And God did it. Now Habakkuk really reaches high when he says about God in verse 13, verse 13, thou wentest forth for the salvation of thy people, even for the salvation of thine anointed. Thou woundest the head out of the house of the wicked. The prophet is now again, he's drawing from the history of Israel. He's drawing from the history we have in the Bible. And as he draws from the, the history of how God came from heaven, to deliver Israel out of Egypt. This should always be on our minds. I love the holiday of Passover. 
I love the holiday of Passover, not so that I can eat gefilte fish and all these other kind of things. No, just to remember how God came from heaven to deliver Israel. That's what happened. And this is what the prophet is doing. He's encouraging himself in God. He's looking back over the history of God's kindness. And that's why it's so important for us to live in this book, in the histories, in the Old Testament. The Old Testament. I wish we'd stop calling it old. It's just as new as it ever could be. In the Bible. And when times are hard, and when it looks like it's so dismal in God's people, we have a secret source of encouragement to remember the encouraging histories in the Bible. David, David had so many problems in his life. He had so many problems, but he had a secret that kept him from depression. He had a depression sometimes that it just made him so he couldn't speak. And he forced himself to remember what God did in the past to get out of it. In Psalm 77, 4, Psalm 77, 4, when David said, I am so troubled that I cannot speak. I have considered the days of old, the years of ancient times. That's the secret. The secret for him was looking back over the history. It's a powerful argument in prayer to God to say something like Isaiah said in Isaiah 63, 11. Isaiah 63, 11, when he said, then remembered he the days of old, Moses and his people, and he said, where is he that brought them up out of the sea with the shepherd of his flock? Where is he that put his Holy Spirit within him, that led him by the right hand of Moses with his glorious arm, dividing the water before them to make himself an everlasting name, that led them to the deep as an horse in the wilderness that they should not stumble? As a beast goeth down to the valley, the Spirit of the Lord caused him to rest. So didst thou lead thy people to make thyself a glorious name. Look down from heaven, behold from the habitation of thy holiness and of thy glory. Where is the zeal and the strength, the sounding of thy bowels, thy mercies toward me? Are they restrained? Doubtless, thou art our father, though Abraham be ignorant of us. And Israel acknowledge us not. Thou, O Lord, art our Father, our Redeemer. Thy name is from everlasting. You know, there's a particular people that are praying that prayer in Isaiah. It's a particular people. It's a people that describe themselves in Isaiah 63, 16. Isaiah 63, 16. They say about themselves, Israel acknowledge us not. Thou, O Lord, art our Father, our Redeemer. When they say Israel acknowledge us not, they are a people that Israel is saying, you're not a Jew, you're no longer Jew. You're no longer Jew. Just like when I as a Jew applied for Israeli citizenship and they asked me if I believe that Jesus Christ is God. And when they knew what I believed, they said, you cannot become an Israeli because you are no longer a Jew. Isaiah 63, 16, though Israel acknowledge us not. This is the remnant. These are the Jews that have believed into Jesus and therefore they call him in Isaiah 63, 11, Isaiah 63, 11, they call him our redeemer. These are our Jewish brothers in Christ who are facing great problems and they call out to God 
in Isaiah 63, 11, and they say, where is he that brought them up out of the sea with the shepherd of his flock? Where is he that put his Holy Spirit within them? These are the, this is the, the per persecuted Jewish remnant that says in Isaiah 63, 15, Isaiah 63, 15, look down from heaven and behold the habitation of thy holiness and of thy glory. Where is thy zeal and the strength, the sounding of thy bowels and thy mercies toward me? Doubtless thou art our father, though Abraham be ignorant of us and Israel acknowledge us not. Thou art, O Lord, our God, our Redeemer. Habakkuk used a wonderful name for God when he said in verse 13, verse 13, thou wentest forth for the salvation of thy people. That's what she just sang. Jesus left heaven for me to die in my place. And that's what Habakkuk is saying in verse 13. Thou wentest forth for the salvation of thy people. That was the time when God went forth. That was the greatest time in verse 13, when God went his forth for the salvation of thy people. That's when Jesus came and said in John 6.38, John 6.38, I came down from heaven. And John 6.51, John 6.51, I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If any man eat of this bread, he shall live forever. That's when Jesus said in John 3.13, John 3.13, he that came down from heaven, even the Son of Man, which is in heaven, and as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man lift, be lifted up, that whosoever believeth into him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth into him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And I said, into him, because that's the way the Greek reads. Jesus came from heaven. He came down to earth. He's the person that Habakkuk is referring to in verse 13. Verse 13, thou wentest forth for the salvation of thy people. And this is, what the, this is what the prophet Habakkuk is doing. He's focusing on a time of great depression, a time of great darkness. He's focusing on history of how God dealt with Israel. So, so amazing to me Whenever I read the last words of, of, uh, Stephen, of Stephen in Acts 7, when he was allowed to give his last words before he was stoned to death, I don't know of a more beautiful summary of history than, his, than, than he gave in Acts 7, and just before he was martyred. So beautiful. And why did he do that? How could he do that? How could Stephen put together Without any preparation, no one said to him that day, you're going to be killed today, so you better sit down at your desk and prepare your last words. No, he was, just, he was caught right on the heels, and he does this wonderful, beautiful, going through the history of how God brought Israel uh, into Egypt as a tiny little family, exiled by the forces of famine, to be aliens in a strange land of Egypt. And just like we are exiled by the forces of sin, to live our lives as, as aliens in a strange, strange place called the world. And how God, within that foreign land of Egypt, nourished this little family, this little family of Jacob, to grow into a, a people, a large people called Israel. 
Just like we are uh, within the foreign world, God nourishes us to grow in Christ. And how that foreign land of Egypt then turned against Israel in a hatred and persecuted them, wanting to destroy them. Just like we experienced the hatred of the world against us and, and how God did not allow Egypt to crush them, did not allow Egypt to destroy them. But, rest, but came down to rescue them. And when he came to Moses, that's what he told him in Exodus 3.7. Exodus 3.7, the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people which are in Egypt and have heard their cry by reason of their taskmasters. For I know their sorrows and I am come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land into a good land and a large land, unto a land flowing with milk and honey just like God came down to rescue us. When Moses saw God on Mount Sinai, that's what he saw on Mount Sinai. In Exodus 19.20, Exodus 19.20, the Lord came down upon Mount Sinai on the top of the mount, and the Lord called Moses up to the top of the mount, and Moses went up. Those are wonderful words. Wonderful words about God. Exodus 3.8, Exodus 3.8, I am come down to deliver Wonderful words, wonderful words. God came down to deliver. Wonderful words to describe Jesus. John 6, 38, I came down from heaven. That makes Jesus to have the name of the Savior who came down to deliver. The statement in, in verse 13 here, verse 13, thou wentest forth for the salvation of thy people. That's a statement that say the priority for God is to save his people. It's so great that he will disrupt, he will shake all the powers of nature like the parting of a red sea, a great sea. He'll stop the course of nature. He'll stop the course of the sun and the moon for the salvation of his people. He'll throw, God will throw all of nature into disorder to save his people. All because there's a people on earth that are so important to God that he'll do all that for them. Those are God's saved people. And now Habakkuk paints for us what happened when God parted the Red Sea for Israel, when, the, when Israel was running for their lives away from the Egyptians. In Habakkuk 3.15, Habakkuk 3.15, verse 15, verse 15, he says, Thou didst walk through the sea with thine horses, through the heap of great waters. This is a time when the Red Sea stood as the great obstacle to Israel, they were piled up against it like a firing squad, and Egypt was fast on their heels. And this was the time when the mighty Red Sea said to Israel, huddled up against its shore, what a pathetic sight. And, and the great Red Sea said to Israel, no, you won't. You won't pass any further. I am the, the great Red Sea. I am bigger and stronger than you, and I'll hold you back from crossing my waters. I'll hold you back as the Egyptians plunge their swords into you. That was the obstacle that they were faced with, the Red Sea. And God saw that Red Sea, and God just pushed the sea open. He pushed it open. God pushed that Red Sea away, and so that on both sides stood up great walls of water, as if God said, as if God said to the Red Sea, you pile up on this side, you pile up on that side, and you stay there until I tell you. And those walls stood there as Israel walked through on dry land. And he says in verse 15, verse 15, thou didst walk 
through the sea. They've been running before, but not now. They walk. They walk. They don't run. Because God didn't run through the sea. Because Israel could only walk. Israel was tender. Israel had little ones. Israel had cattle. That's what Jacob told Esau. Jacob told Esau in Genesis 33, Genesis 33, Esau said, let's go, let's go home. And, and Jacob said in Genesis 33:13, Genesis said unto him, my Lord knoweth that the children are tender. The flocks and the herds with young are with me. And if men should overdrive them one day, all the flock will die. Then my Lord, I pray thee pass over for us and I will leave on softly according as the cattle that goeth before me and the children be able. Tom Cantor's messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. For other free resources, email us at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051. Join our live services on YouTube by searching Friendship with God with Tom Cantor every Sunday at 5.30 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries.